This is the Fleet Street Fox column for Monday, June the 20th, 2022. The Tories have gone on strike. Head to the bar, comrades. Brethren, welcome to this meeting of the Conservative and Unionist Party, led by me, Boris Johnson, the Minister for the Union. Unfortunately, brothers, our union is under attack from the elitists of the working class. Not content with furlough, petrol subsidies and free heating for sprawling one-bed council mansions, they now want to stop us going to work. That's right, comrades. They are threatening to stop driving the trains we don't commute on, shut down the criminal justice system we don't pay any attention to, and close the schools our kids don't attend. Talks have broken down, because we won't talk to anyone about any of it, and so there's only one option left. It's time for a Tory strike. Fortunately, we don't need to ballot our members because we had a vote three years ago about completely different things. And that means whatever we retrospectively decide it means, including that the other vote we had a fortnight ago didn't happen. I'm confident about that. And what our massive, overwhelming and eternal victory over some bloke no one much liked anyway. Oh, sorry, Comrade Hunt, didn't see you there. But thanks for all your help. and You're more than welcome to stay. You too, Brother Corbyn. What that means, brothers and sisters, is that we must fight, fight for our right to partay. No, the chair will not recognise Comrade Allegra. I have the floor now, the six being wiped off it. If there were no more Conservatives, this country would grind into gear. The working class would be brought off their knees. There'd be a horrifying lack of rent arrears and credit card debt, which is what puts our kids through tax-averse educational establishments like Eton. So what we must do, friends, is down tools. By which I mean all the tools in the Cabinet must cease delivering on our long-forgotten 2019 manifesto promises to cut taxes, level up, build 40 new hospitals, keep the pensions triple lock and retain the energy price cap because it's doing such a great job so far. We will cease all work to deliver a festival of Brexit that nobody noticed to show what a great idea that was. And we'll stop all efforts to give the North that powerhouse it was promised three governments ago. Of course, the metropolitan elite in places like Tiverton and Honiton are going to fight back they're talking about shutting down our hospitals for a day or two, which would stop us shutting them permanently. They're threatening to hold a vote about whether to close school gates a bit earlier this term, when we have worked so hard to make those gates rust and fall off their hinges for lack of funding. And today, brethren and sistren, the Trotskyite militants of the legal system are wigging out by refusing to put bad people in jail because they want paying more than the minimum wage and for the courtrooms to actually exist. And that is despite legal aid wage cuts of 9%, a top rate of £3.78 for making a phone call or sending a letter on behalf of a client in an asylum case, and half of all legal aid lawyers leaving the job between 2010 and 2015. I ask you, comrades, what more do these wig-wearing communists want from us? We can win this fight. We must win this fight. Those PPE contracts don't award themselves to friends. All we need to do is keep the trans thing running. That way, everybody will hate everyone else instead of hating us. All wealth is the product of our labour. No, not that labour, the other sort. And we must take action to keep this country on the right track. 
we demand a minimum wage of £84,144 a year, a four-day week with a right to moonlight, expenses and plenty of long holidays. To this end, we shall man the wood-fired outdoor pizza ovens, set up picket lines forbidding entry to grouse moors until the glorious 12th, and wave around some identity politics in our battle for better pay and conditions. Because we got only a £2,212 pay rise this year, and all the ethical conditions that woke lefty old hippie Lord Geit tried to impose on us, like not breaking the law, were simply incompatible with this government's democratic mandate to do whatever we please. We're also urging our members to undertake wider civil resistance to unfair and repressive laws, which is to say, pretty much all of them, and to defund the criminal justice system. Oh, sorry, we've done that one already. That's why they're on strike. Well, let's do it a bit more then. Sister Braverman, perhaps you can handle that one. What do we want? Gold wallpaper. When do we want it? We'll never willingly tell you. Who do we want to work with at the taxpayer's expense? Our girlfriends. But don't mention it to anyone. They will attempt to divide us, friends, by telling us that because they pay the taxes, they're the boss. But remember, the pyramids didn't get built because the pharaohs let the slaves go on strike. No, they got built when the slaves went on strike. Ramses III paid them better so they'd finish the job. Rome didn't conquer the world with snowflakes complaining about their pay. No, it conquered the world with the help of plebeians who walked out of Rome five times to force the rulers to share power, cut debts and end tyranny. Oh, shit, I wish I paid more attention in classics. Anyway, comrades, in short, we are under attack by the unreasonable demands that we do what we said we would in 2019. And so, to defend ourselves from this oppression, we shall stop doing the things we weren't doing anyway, despite the risk that the bosses could realise how much more efficient the Tories would be if we were replaced by sex bots. Remember, we must loosen the shackles of the British Constitution, overcome the authoritarian demands of the voter, and above all things, achieve pay justice for ourselves, because we'd never earn anywhere near as much anywhere else for doing things half so badly. Man the barricades, brothers! By which I mean man the bar, because this should see us through to the next election quite easily. This is the Fleet Street Fox column for Friday, June the 24th, 2022. It's the goodbye election. Boris Johnson digs in while the Tories choose how to lose. If there is anyone in Britain still able, after emptying their bank accounts at the supermarket and petrol station, to find a few spare quid, the best thing they can probably do with it is to buy shares in the company which produces WD-40. Because as toilet rolls were to the pandemic, so effective lubricants will be for the next year or so, a new currency traded on the black market and sought after by increasingly desperate victims of IBS. Irritable Boris syndrome is about to afflict every Tory in the land, and the only cure for their distress is to winkle the Prime Minister out of Downing Street as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, he doesn't want to go. Maggie didn't want to go, but she went because her party asked her to. Blair didn't want to go, but had some better gigs lined up. Cameron was whistling on his way out of the door, knowing it'd all be someone else's problem now. And Theresa, God bless her, really did try her best before admitting her best wasn't enough. 
Boris Alexander de Feffel Johnson has no love for his party, any more than a king loves his courtiers. He lacks Blair's realism, Cameron's polished insouciance, and Theresa's principles, as shaky as they've often been. And each of them had successes snapping at their heels, popular, clever beasts who should be feared. Boris has got Jeremy Hunt, which is about as frightening as being chased by a duck cracking at its own tail. The Tory rebels plotting against him are as thick as grandma's custard, because they held a no-confidence vote a fortnight before two by-elections everyone knew they'd lose. This strategic brilliance has lodged Boris firmly in their rectums for another year. The chances of them having the wit to get elected to the 1922 committee, change its rules and get Boris out before then is roughly the same as that of Dominic Raab winning Mastermind. If they could find a big enough chisel and stockpile enough WD-40 to get Boris out in a year, there'd still be massive inflation and a cost of living crisis, gross inequality, ongoing strikes on the railways, in hospitals and in schools, and only a year for Hunt to stare mindlessly at it, like a rabbit fascinated by the lights of an oncoming juggernaut, before a general election the Tories will lose. The same would be true even if they got Boris out tomorrow. The same will be true even if Boris stays in office, ends the strikes, makes Brexit work and decides he likes migrants. There is just no way for the past 12 years of Tory entitlement, austerity, cuts, pay freezes, declining standards of living and public life to be overlooked, especially when the past few have involved three million grieving Brits being furious to discover that while they couldn't hold a loved one's hand to say goodbye, those in charge were partying so hard in Downing Street that they were ending up face down in the flower beds. It's inevitable, because of the ten by-elections held since Johnson became PM, he's won one, lost four and held two. And he held those only because the Tory MPs in both cases died tragically. The other main parties didn't even contest David Amos's constituency. Last night, Boris lost in two deeply Brexity seats, proving the electorate has decided his one achievement isn't worth holding on to. Labour has managed to swing even in constituencies it already held. The Lib Dems, despite the best efforts of Ed Davey, are performing a conga line through the South. Disraeli himself couldn't turn this titanic Tory disaster round. Perhaps the entire cabinet will do a Dowden and resign. Perhaps Gove will sharpen his stabbing tools and Dorries will retire to howl from the back benches. Boris still wouldn't quit. If his entire party delivered a pearl-handled revolver to his office and asked him to do the right thing with it, they'd find him two minutes later at the window taking pot shots at the Prince of Wales. There are, though, plenty of grown-ups and clever minds in the Tory party. And what they're weighing up today is not how to win the next election, because they know that was lost the moment someone suggested a bring-your-own-boo-shindig in lockdown. What they're deciding is in what way and how badly they want to lose. Do they want Boris at the helm? to lose big, spend a decade in the political desert, but have a chance to rebuild from scratch? Do they want him out? Lose less badly, maybe return to power sooner, but without cleaning out the stables properly? Safe seats with 20,000 majorities are no longer safe. The red wall appears to have been merely papered over, rather than breached, and the working classes are picking it back off. Grandees who love their party are working out how to save it for the long term while MPs only recently elected on Boris's coattails are wondering if they've time to land a non-executive directorship before it's all over. Boris's best hope now is those in his party who wish to exploit him for a cause, to use a weakened Prime Minister to nod through laws, amendments, grants, contracts and jobs which are close to their hearts, constituents or pockets.
Some will be sleazy. Some will be sound. And the PM will bribe them as enthusiastically as only someone spending other people's money can. Perhaps it'll buy him some time. Perhaps a few will be jostling for position of best friend and the highly likely resignation peerage which could come their way in the not-too-distant future. It's more important, perhaps, for them and us to work out what the PM is weighing up and working out. It's not appeasing or buying his party, not placating his cabinet or finding a new ethics advisor or party chairman. He doesn't give a toss about Michael Howard, the boss who once fired him for lying, going on telly to say he has to go again. Boris is wondering how much he'll be able to sell his book for and whether he can claim to have won the war in Ukraine before he leaves. It's legacy that matters now to this PM and he's looking abroad to deliver it. Domestic politics is in the grinder along with the economy, the union and Brexit. There is no clear path for him to tread at home to repair any of that, while the world stage still affords him a space in which to look Churchillian. Boris can beat back the Russian bear, he'll be telling himself. And also, I need an extra couple of chapters for my memoirs. He'll rate his success, not by how many lives he saved, but by whether his memoirs are longer and juicier than those of David Cameron, who stretched very little across 752 pages, and if his advance exceeds the £800,000 given to his predecessor. Which is perhaps why he's not hurrying home and seeking refuge in Rwanda instead. In short, Boris will dig in. Not for victory or party, but for himself. Which is why the Tories, if they want to be anything more than a bleeding lump of flesh left on the polling station floor, will need to find some intelligence, some non-duck candidates, and industrial amounts of WD-40 if they're to get him out before he takes them all down. One share in the WD-40 company today will set you back £166, but its value did jump 6% overnight, so someone's seen the way the wind is blowing. Everyone else from the PM down is going to capitalise on this for as long as they can. Why shouldn't you? <laughs>